church this morning. You've done well to get here. Battle of the storm. Um, my name's Phil. I'm part of the leadership here, uh, team here at um, Jubilee. Um, I'm God's favourite, by the way. Just thought I should just let you know that. I'm God's favourite. And um, I mean, I believe that you're God's favourite too. But I just believe that I'm God's favourite. And um, there's reasons for that. It's because it says it in the Word of God, that God loves me completely. And um, this series that we're doing is about us discovering um, that complete love. I loved um, Rachel. I loved all the words, by the way, but uh, Rachel's word really, really struck home with me because of what I'm wanting to say this morning because, um, you know, our foundations need to be on Jesus. Our foundations need to be on him and him alone. And uh, this morning I'm going to be talking to you about fasting. And I know for some of you, um, you might never have even heard it as a, as a new believer in this church. You've never even heard about fasting. Like, come on, give me a break. It's hard enough doing what I'm doing. Um, but um, I hopefully I'll have changed your mind by the end of today. And, and, and also, I'm expectant this morning. I'm expectant for God to move. God is, God is alive. God is real. God does amazing things amongst us and in our lives, and maybe we don't talk about it enough what, what God has really, really done for us. So what is fasting? Well, fasting is the abstinence, usually from food, for religious, cultural, political reasons. Most religions fast. Ramadan, Yom Kippur, the Hindu Brahmins, Gandhi fasted for political reasons, people fast for health reasons, but Christian fasting is completely different. Christian fasting is unlike any other fasting. And, um, and I understand as well that fasting is also cultural. We're in a, a, a diverse city and a, a diverse church made up with people from different parts of the globe. And so what I thought I'd do is, as I was preparing, I, I actually contacted people from all over the world to ask them what they did. And it was really, really good. It was really, really insightful. So, um, yeah, in some parts of um, Africa, that the people that I spoke to there, they, um, they, they go without food um, and drink water. Um, some of them do it corporately. So in their church, it's like every Friday is a fast day for the whole church. And then they come together on an evening to, to pray together, having fasted. Um, I asked the guys in Malawi, um, of course, and they, this one guy said, we fast food, we fast water, and we fast sex. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> you guys are like hardcore. <laughs> and, um, and I thought, well, okay, um, let's look into that a little bit. And obviously in Corinthians, um, fasting sex is only for those that are married, by the way. Right? You can't fast something that you're not supposed to be doing. Get that, yeah. But um, in 1 Corinthians 7, it says, do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time, that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come back together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. That's Paul writing to the Corinthians. And we all know about that church. So um, in South America, again, because of their 
kind of like, I guess, Catholic roots. There was a lot of this kind of like corporate type fast where the church would declare a fast one day a week and then they would come together. Um, and then also um, the leaders of um, some of the churches I spoke to in South America, they, they practice like, you know, a set day every week. They, they, they set aside a day every week to just fast and, and pray and seek God. In the traditional church, um, you know, um, people um, observe Lent. Uh, for 40 days, they give up something for Lent. And I find that a little bit weak because that's not the heart of fasting, as you will hear this morning. Giving up something for Lent is not um, Christian fasting, really, in my understanding of fasting. Um, it's more than that. And um, because it's about seeking the king and, and his kingdom. And we're going to unpack that as we go go through. In fasting as Christians, um, we confess we are not home yet, and also remembering that we are not homeless. I'll say that again. In fasting, we confess that we are not home yet, and also remembering that we are not homeless. In this world, we are surrounded by temptation. We're surrounded by um, snares and things that can become idols in our lives. Jesus said, everyone wants to wants to be my disciple, must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. There's a sense in, in fasting where we, we deny ourselves. But the truth is that the greatest enemy of, of, of us for hunger for God is not poison, but apple pie. Our greatest enemy is apple pie, not poison. And the, what I mean by that is that it, it's subtle, you know, we, we know how to avoid the big things often, but it's those little things that creep into our lives. It's that apple pie that God has said is good that we abuse and take further. Scientists have discovered that um, when they put live frogs into boiling water, they jump out. I don't know how they discovered that. I don't want to go there. But they've discovered that, but that chucking frog, live frogs into boiling water, the frogs jump out. But if they put the frog into cold water and bring it up slowly to the boil, the frog will quite happily sit there until it meets its doom. It's a little bit like that with sin. Sin does not um, leap, it creeps. Sin comes in subtly and idolatry and idols we know how to stay away from the big idols, but the small things can come in. In the parable of the sower, the seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but they go on their way and they are choked by life's worries, riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. And it's that lack of maturity that I really want to speak into this morning. Because maturity is um, what we all want to be. Um, we, I'm doing a group at the moment with some of the guys from Latvia and you know, our theme is um, we're called the Real Men's Group <laughs> sounds good doesn't it but the theme of it is that we, um, we want to grow up before we grow old we want to grow up before we grow old we wanna, that's, that's what we're trying to get to because it's important Jesus started his ministry after Jesus was baptised he started his ministry with fasting he went for 40 days into the wilderness and fasted and then he was um, tempted by Satan and he came out of that victorious. He didn't let anything but God have mastery over him. He was victorious. 
even in his place of physical weakness. And I want to say to you that food is not bad. Food is good. It's, it's a precious gift. Food is, it, I love food. You know, I love being, I love the fact that we're in the UK. We can like, we're so rich, aren't we, in like the types of food that we can like access. You know, we can have Chinese or Lebanese, Thai, you name it, we can grab it, can't we? You know, if you really, I mean, at the moment, I'm really into Korean food, right? So, you know, that's where I'm going at the moment in, you know, in my food journey. And the thing is, is that food is not bad. God has given us food. It's a blessing. Timothy tells us, the Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. For everything God created is good and nothing is is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving because it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. But we've become comfortable Many of us are spoiled. We make the gift that God has given us into an idol. We, we use it to comfort ourselves. We use food in a wrong way. And that in lies the problem. Psalm 16.2, which I love to quote when I'm praying, is, um, I say to the Lord, you are my God. Apart from you, I have no good thing. Apart from God, we have no good thing. God has put good things into our lives. But we can't make the gift more important than the giver. God has given us things that are good. In fasting, people talk about this thing called asceticism. Asceticism is where you, um, it's basically severe self-discipline, avoiding all forms of indulgence. And people um, in some monastic lifestyles beat themselves with, you know, with, with whips and um, they go through, you know, they endure hardship. And I don't believe that that is Christian fasting. I don't believe that we're called to um, inflict pain and severely treat our bodies. I don't think that's the heart of fasting at all. I don't think fasting is about that. Colossians tells us, um, such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. I don't think that we're supposed to do that. I think that we're supposed to fast for a specific reason. Eating disorders like anorexia, bulimia. You know, um, my sister-in-law struggled many, many years with anorexia and um, sometimes it was almost like a pride thing with and being able to not eat or eat very, very small amounts. The, 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 the danger with asceticism is pride, that you can become proud of what you're able to go through, what you're able to achieve. And again, that's not the heart of fasting. So let's have a look at the, um, the text that I re- That was just the introduction. Let's have a look at the text that I really want to kind of like get us into today. And it's Matthew 9, um, 14 to 17, if you've got a Bible. Could you please turn to that? That would be great.
As Christians, we're not, we're not like um, Muslims where we have to fast. We're not under law. There's no, there's no direct command. Um, but Jesus kind of assumes that we're going to fast, as you, will, as you will see. And I think that's really important to understand that. That it's not like, um, you know, after today, right, in Jubilee, right, we're all on a 40-dayer. Okay? <laughs> it's Sarah's birthday, so we can't do that, can we, Sarah? <laughs> so Matthew 9 Jesus questioned about fasting John's disciples came and asked him how is it that we and the Pharisees fast often but your disciples do not fast now what would you expect Jesus to say probably not what he's about to say Jesus answered how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is still with them The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them and they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth onto an old garment for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst and the wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. John the Baptist's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting and Jesus' disciples and Jesus were partying. Is that a surprise? It's different. Something's happening and Jesus says, well, my guys can't fast because the bridegroom is, is with them. The bridegroom is with them. See, Fasting in the Old Testament, the old way of fasting, um, was often an expression of mourning, um, an expression of brokenheartedness, desperation, some sin, some danger. Things weren't going well. Jesus and his disciples were not in that place because the king had come. The kingdom had come in Jesus. And he's saying, look, there's no reason. They can't, you know, at a wedding... When the bridegroom's there and you can't, that's not a time to fast in this old way. Something's happening. Secondly, the Messiah, Jesus had come. He was there at the wedding feast. And he's saying the time will come when the bridegroom will not be there anymore. Um, Was he talking about his death and the three days in the ground and his resurrection? No, he was talking about the fact that he would ascend into heaven, but that he promised to come again. And we as Christians have tasted. If you know Jesus this morning, you've tasted of the kingdom. You've had, an, you've had a, a time in your life where the kingdom has broken in, where you've met with Christ. Either when you received Christ, when you had that revelation that you, you wanted to follow him, or at different times as God has met with you, you've experienced the kingdom to come. And one day Jesus is coming back to make it all new again. And we, we long, we long for that time. We long for the coming of the king. We long for the kingdom of God to break into our lives and um, to help us. We ache because we have tasted, we've experienced his touch and we want more. We want more of Jesus. 
We want more of him. It's like having the best thing that you could ever have. And, we, and fasting is saying to God that we want more. We, 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 we need you more than we need food. We need you more than we need anything else. We need Jesus. It's laying aside that good gift that God has given us and saying we want Jesus more. And in that place, Jesus comes and meets us. We live in a desperate world. We live in a desperate world where there's evil all around us. But we long for Jesus to come. We say, come, Lord Jesus, Revelation 22. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I'm coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Come and take your place. And in that place of meeting with Jesus in, as you fast, then um, your sin issues become not a problem. And um, bondages that are over your life will be broken. Fresh revelation of who Jesus is will happen because you've met with the king. How do you stop, how do you stop sinning? How do, you, how do you live for Christ? Well, um, by living according to his word, it says in, in uh, Psalm 119, but also by loving Jesus more. By simply loving Jesus more. We have to love Jesus more. We have to love Jesus more. The disciples can't fast. The disciples of Jesus can't fast like the, the Pharisees because that's the old way and this new, this new wine, this new kingdom is, is fresh and bubbling up and, and, and full of life. It's not, it's not like the old wine. It's new. And the new piece of cloth has to pull away from the, the old one because it's new. There's something new. The kingdom of God is new. And Jesus is, is, is really saying to them that the kingdom, is, the kingdom of God is not like it was before, guys. You know, we, we, we don't need to go to a, a temple. Jesus, um, um, we don't need to go to the temple to find God. God is, is, is away from the temple. He's, he's out. The temple curtain was torn in two from top to bottom. Jesus, our access to the Father is open. We, we, we have the kingdom. How do we develop a, a, a culture of fasting and prayer here at Jubilee? And, and um, just put your hand up if, you, if you're hearing about fasting for the first time as a, as a new Christian. Yeah? A couple of people. Yeah? So... One of the, I think one of the things that we, we, we don't talk about a real lot is fasting in church culture. Um, and there's a reason for that. Um, Matthew 6, the next slide. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will be obvious to others that you are fast. It will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. 
and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I wonder whether or not we've misapplied that scripture a little bit in, in our church culture. I wonder whether or not we um, need to, um, without showing off, we need to talk more about it, you know, so that the um, people among us can, can learn um, some of the things that some of the leaders do or some of the growth group leaders do. So, for example, if I'm going to preach, I fast. If I've got something going on, I, I fast. Right? I'm not very good at it. In fact, I'm rubbish. Right? Um, you know, I'm not like a 40-day kid. Right? So I, I don't want you to give you any like, false impressions at all. Right? But I do know there are people in this church that have fasted for 40 days without food and just drank water. So there are people here that have done that. And, you know, and God bless them. But it's not, it's not about the time. It's about the, the relationship. And, and I think, you know, um, yes, it needs to be between you and God. And it's not like a public thing. And, you know, we, we're not going to, like, give them um, faster of the week, right, uh, on a Sunday to all of those people that come and say, well, you know, I've done, like, four days this week. And how many of you done? Well, I did six, right? Okay, you get the prize, right? It's not like that. We're not going to get into any of that. But... I think to develop the culture of, um, you know, as we disciple and encourage one another, we should be talking about it. We should be encouraging, you know. And, and you know, Jesus applies the same kind of teaching in Matthew 6 to, to prayer. When you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. But we talk about prayer much more openly and for some reason we don't talk about fasting. We're after a heavenly reward, not an earthly reward. We're not, we're, not, we're not after people thinking well of us or thinking better of us. We're after that reward from heaven. That reward, um, which is the relationship uh, with Jesus and that um, coming into his presence and, and knowing the king um, and his kingdom. We benefit as individuals by spending time with God and setting aside time to lay aside everything just to get hold of him. And I know that not everybody is able to because of medical reasons, but you can give up other things. If you can't fast food, you can fast your phone. You can fast Facebook. You can fast. Um, you can set aside time and say. In the book of um, Acts 13... Um, there's also corporate fasting. So Acts 13, it says, Now in the church in Antioch there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So that... So they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them, and they sent them off. Just imagine what the world would have been like if they'd never laid hands on Saul that became Paul. That if we didn't have the epistles, if, we didn't, if they'd never fasted and prayed, and, and, and the leaders had sought God uh, for this man, and what he brought, the churches that he planted, the effect that he'd had on, on the world, just imagine... 
Acts 14, Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they'd put their trust. In making big decisions, the leaders came together and fasted to, to seek God and to seek his face before making that decision and then, and then sending out these people. The disciples were trying to cast demons out of a boy who was um, frothing at the mouth and being thrown into the water and the fire and the disciples couldn't cast this demon out. They were, they were telling it to get out and it wasn't going and Jesus comes along and, um, and deals with it. And he said, this, this type only comes out with fasting and prayer. There are, there are times when Jesus obviously was fasting. Now, after his 40 days in the desert, there's not much really talk of Jesus actually saying in the, in the Gospels that he was fasting, but he was clearly fasting. There's times when he was going up to the mountain to spend time with the Father when he was, when he was fasting. And if the Son of God needs to fast, then, then boy, um, do we. Sometimes churches um, call a, f- a fast. In Joel 1.14, it says, Declare a holy fast, call a sacred assembly, summon the elders and all who live in the land to the house of the Lord your God, and cry out to the Lord. There are times when fasting um, as leaders is, is, is really, really important. Corporate fasting as the church comes together. But in all of it, it's all about one thing. It's about seeking the kingdom. See, the kingdom has come, and the kingdom is coming. But the kingdom has not yet come in all of its fullness at the moment. We look to the future when Jesus is going to come again. We, we, we taste and we experience. We have a foretaste. We, the bridegroom, we've experienced the bridegroom's presence. We've experienced the, 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 the wedding but we've not experienced the, the fullness of that um, banquet. We've not experienced the fullness of the coming king where everything, everything will be made new. All sicknesses will be um, healed and, and everything will be changed. We've not yet experienced that. In South Korea, um, the first Protestant church was planted in 1884. 100 years later, there are 30,000 churches. That's an average of 300 new churches a year for 100 years. Today, evangelicals comprise of 30% of the population of South Korea. God has used many means to do this great work, and one of them is, is a recovery, not just of dynamic prayer, but of prayer and fasting. In the OMS Overseas Missionary Society, churches alone, there's more than 20,000 people that have completed a 40-day fast as they go to the mountain to seek God. That's staggering growth, isn't it? And what changes as we fast? Well, everything. Because as you meet with Jesus, everything changes. I encourage you to um, think about it. Start small. At work, you know, miss a meal and go and pray. Or if you're at home, set aside a time when you, you know, miss a meal and, and, and pray. Seek God. This week, as, um, as I was preparing, um, I was at work on my computer and um, 
I was in the middle of um, fasting and I just, all of a sudden I just felt this like amazing like love come over me. This just like, I can't describe it. Just, just love. Just God loving on me, you know. Just God saying that I, I love you. And that I experience his presence. God is so real. God is so real. And you know, each one of us are precious. And if you've got stuff that you're struggling with, and it's just not getting broken, fast, pray, seek him. And he will do it. And he will do it. Wouldn't it be cool... um, if, if now we could, like, just experience God? Well, the truth is, is that Jesus says, if you ask um, for a fish, he's not going to give you a, a snake. And if you ask for a piece of bread, he's not going to give you a stone. And although we are evil, we now to give good gifts to our children. How much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So, could I ask you all to stand just for a moment before we... Um, Ask the kids to come back. I'll call the worship team back in just a moment. I'd just like you to just, for a moment, just close your eyes. And I believe that God would like to speak to us today through you. Father, I pray, come Holy Spirit. Come and fill us up, Lord God. Move in power, Lord God, upon us. In the name of Jesus. Come, Spirit of God. Just give God time. Just call out to him. Call out to Jesus. Let the name of Jesus be on your lips. Let the name of Jesus be in your heart. Let him be in your mind. Say, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. And Heavenly Father, I pray as we, uh, as we stand here in your presence, seeking your face, that God, you would give us words of knowledge to encourage the body. Pray that God, you would speak. Come, Spirit of God. Come, Spirit of God. Speak to us. Speak through us. Speak, Lord God, we pray. In Jesus' name. I saw a set of um, scales just keeping the place of, of prayer. I saw a set of scales and they were... They were um, a, Weigh scales, but they were different different lengths. They were dishonest scales, and I believe that somebody here has got themselves kind of like messed up in dishonesty, and um, they don't really know how to to get out of it. God says, "Bring it, bring it to me, bring it to me, and I'll I'll deal with it. Bring it to me." Also, um, saw like this web. 
of lies that somebody here has got so, so messed up with. Um, lies that they've told that it's, it's just, it's put them in a really difficult position. God can set you free from that today. God can set you free. Just increase your presence, Lord, I pray. More of you, Lord. More of you, Lord. More of you. More of you. Um, Josh has got the microphone. If anybody has got a, a word, just want to put your hand up if you feel like God's given you a word of knowledge. Yeah? Got time. Got time. More of you, Lord. More of you. More of you. Just him. More of you, Lord. More of you, Lord. I had an instance during the week where I had to discipline one of my daughters. And God really spoke to me through that because um, it would just help me to understand God's love. So basically, the, what one of my daughters did stood up a reaction inside of me that wanted me to shout and slam doors. But I didn't. And I was really took back. Actually, my daughter's reaction to it all, because she was just like prepared to take a bit, big kind of shout and cowering away but I said no I'm not going to shout because I love you and you know sometimes we need a shock factor to step us out of a thing that we do or a behavior that we have to suddenly go whoa God doesn't like that at all you know but he loves us and he chooses not to shout and slam doors but he chooses to say, look, I love you, despite that. But sometimes we need to realise how God feels when we do things he doesn't like. So, yeah. Yeah, as I was coming in today, um, I saw the wind blowing. And um, I was in the car and you feel safe in there and you can't tell where the wind is. And it just reminded me of the scripture where it says the Holy Spirit, Spirit will blow where he wills. And you do not want to know where he will go. And um, it's a sense of which has, uh, the whole morning has been talking about how God is just there. He's just there beside us like the wind. And sometimes unless you see the, the tree move or the, the, the rain blow, you don't know that the wind's there um, but he is there and he just wants to reassure us this morning as he has been doing all through the worship and then this, this great word he's not interested in what we do in fact what we do doesn't make any difference at all, we can't earn our way into heaven we know that Amen. but sometimes we get to these places in our lives where we are unsure of ourselves. Uh, and I just feel this morning there may be people that are sort of like crossroads in their lives. Really. They're on a journey. They even feel they're going backwards like a, a meandering river. It's going so slowly. 
they wonder whether it's going to stop and, and that's it. Um, God is saying, no, I'm just there. I'm just there right beside you right now. Yeah, Debbie, do you want to just... Is it? Yeah, I just believe that God wants to heal um, those that are suffering with chronic headaches and migraines yeah. and also lower back pains. Amen. So um, what we're going to do now is I want to just declare that this, this kind of like altar is open, if you, as it were. We don't use those sort of words in this church, but, you know, we, we, we're just open now to... Um, God, um, for you to respond to those words that have been given, um, if the worship team could come up, and if you've got kids, if you want to go and get your kids now, that would be great. And I just want to encourage you that um, God is the God who heals, God is the God who delivers, God is the God who sets you free, God is the God who helps you receive Christ if you've not received Christ. God is the one who um, changes your lives, who, who wants to take you from glory to glory. If, if if your faith has become mundane, if you're not living in the fullness of God, if you're not full of his excitement and joy, then come. What, what could be wrong with receiving more of God? The Holy Spirit is here to fill us up. We need to be like those new wineskins bubbling up with, with new wine. The reason that they're new wine is so, because the skin is flexible. We need to be open, empty, new vessels for God so that he can come and fill us up because we need him. Just look at the world out there. What a mess. And Jesus needs us, his church. You know, there's not another battalion coming. You know, we're it. We're the ones that God has called. We're the ones that God has called and purposed to be here in the city of Hull to make a difference and to change. Amen.